0: Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. My name is Arjun and I have with me a special guest today. His name is Siddharth Banerjee and he works as a Senior Policy Advisor in the UK Civil Service in the Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport. He's also the author of the book, Startup City, which is basically about Bangalore's digital and tech startup story. Siddharth and I have been recently working on a document related to quantum tech, and what is a sound quantum tech policy for India. So based off on that document, which is going to be out sometime next week, we wanted to have a conversation about the importance of quantum technologies in the future, at least in the coming decade, and what other countries have done with regard to quantum tech itself. Uh, Hi, Siddharth. Welcome to All Things Policy.
1: Good morning, Arjun. Thank you so much for having me on. Really happy to be on here talking about something that I really have done over the past three to four years and really have gotten uh, to love because it's one of the most exciting up and coming technologies, emerging technologies in the world. So thanks.
0: Yeah, no issue. So I guess we kind of belt deep into much about quantum technologies and what it has to offer and the uh, applications of it and what other countries are doing right now. So I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to have a conversation so that even the listeners can understand the intricacies and the nuances behind quantum. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. one thing, let's start off with uh, something that everyone actually kind of feels that uh, it is necessary for them to know. So what kind of is the basic definition of quantum tech? Especially we know that it is a type of technology uh, based off on the applications of uh, quantum physics. But uh, can you just elaborate more on how the principles of quantum physics can actually be used to build different applications using quantum information
1: science? Sure. So uh, what I'm not going to do is try and explain the intricacies of how quantum mechanics works, uh, mainly because I'm not a physicist. And (laughs) somebody I spoke to in a university professor for over 30 years, Peter Knight in uh, the UK, said if anybody tells you that they know what quantum mechanics is as quantum physics is, they're lying because it's still not fully understood. And I certainly don't have a PhD or decades of learning, there's several great videos and tutorials out there that your listeners can learn from. And honestly, they provide a visual images and so on as well. And they will do a much better job than I could ever do. So I would strongly advise your listeners to, you know, if you want to understand that part of it, the physics part of it and the mechanics part of it, please uh, search just YouTube or Google or whatever it is, and you'll find something. What I can talk about more is how we've been harnessing the properties of quantum mechanics in sort of the past two, three decades. And that's made possible the development of sort of new applications, products, services, and so on, which the the theory or the science of it has been around for sort of 70, 80 years from the time of Einstein um, and so on, that they had theorized about this. But it's only in the past two to three decades that we've moved from the so pure science part to where it's becoming an engineering issue so sort of commercializing and harnessing these things for commercial purposes so the real world applications that we have now are based obviously on those quantum mechanic principles like entanglement and superposition and so on which i encourage again your listeners to please read up or watch uh, you know tutorials on so that has become commercially viable just in the last few decades. And those scientific breakthroughs that we've seen in the last sort of, I would say again, 20 to 30 years, that has been coupled with massive private and public investments. So corporations from Google and Microsoft, IBM, to governments like uh, US, China, and even India have made these investments and they've developed technologies. And that is showing extremely promising results now. that's kind of where we are with that. Maybe I think it'll be helpful if I talk about the three sort of broad areas uh, of application. Would that, I think that would be helpful
0: now. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: So the three are sensing and metrology, quantum communications, and quantum computing, which is the third of which is the largest kind of area of uh, focus and expenditure. So let me quickly just go through those three. And I'll explain also what the app, like, sort of real-world applications are of each of them so in terms of sensing and metrology essentially this field uses uh, specialized sensors which are ultra sensitive and so can be used for precise and super accurate measurements so things like gravitational sensing in uh, mining and civil engineering so you can basically look underneath the earth without having to dig you know 6 feet so if you're laying a pipe for example or say you're laying a fiber optic cable you don't have to dig up a huge amount of land just to check if there are rocks or other impediments, you can just scan using these uh, sensors. They're also useful in something called acceleration sensing, which are used in navigation. So what we use as GPS now, these are sort of GPS resistant, hacking resistant GPS. Um, And if I can just say one thing that I actually help secure funding for... um, which is part of the United Kingdom's National Quantum Technologies Program. Uh, it has a splice project, S-P-L-I-C-E, um, and these are cameras that can detect with quantum sensors, obviously, that can detect uh, leakage of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. So there's, you know, so many different uh, applications for those sensors. Another one that I worked on that um, a company which I won't name now, but They are uh, used to be British and were bought over by Indian companies. So I'll I'll let your listeners (laughs) figure out which company was that. Um, Are using these to see possibly things around corners. So what you know of LIDAR that we have now in driverless cars and so on that I think people have heard of in Tesla and that. This can see around a corner. Um, Obviously, you can't see exactly what the object is or the color of, you know, the object say it's a person but what you can tell is whether it's a tree or a person or a dog or a child or whatever it is you know um so it's that sort of thing which you know you kind of only see in you know these marvel movies when they say quantum this quantum that there is some basis in reality so that's the sensing one Shall we move to quantum comms now
0: yeah, I mean quantum comms is something which has evolved gradually and is gaining a lot of traction right now, right? So, uh, quantum mm-hmm. comms is uh, especially with whole uh, uh, the random number generators and creating encrypted and unhackable uh, systems and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'll let you uh, get into quantum comms itself. Yeah,
1: absolutely, Arjun. You have you have you have m- mentioned the very mo- two most important parts of this, which are quantum random number generators, and quantum key distribution, um, which is essentially unhackable given this entanglement property that the subatomic particles have. So basically, if one part of that particle is somehow disturbed, the other half of the particle will get a signal. And no matter what distance that they are connected at, they will be paired and therefore you can know that some one part has been tampered with, and therefore it's been hacked. So this is something that is, you know, a recent application of it. And countries like China, for example, are using satellites uh, to do uh, communications using this. Um, people are using fiber optic cables as well. So the distance is still. A little bit of an issue, as is something called background noise and signal strength. So they have boosters and so on. But the, the engineering part, like I said earlier, is still being uh, needs to be worked out. When we move quickly to the last one, which is the quantum computing, which is kind of the biggest area of expenditure and uh, investment by both companies and governments. So Mainly, this is going to be the most commercially lucrative application of quantum technology, uh, in my opinion. And it uses something called quantum bits to use in our uh, regular you know, laptops and computers and so on, which are bits and bytes. These are quantum bits or qubits. And the difference is they can handle not just binary, so not just zero or one, but they can handle any value between zero and one at any given point of time. So that means it has multiple states, which means the computing power increases exponentially rather than just linear, right? So we're reaching the point with uh, what are called classical computers or just normal computers that we use now, where you can't fit more transistors on a chip or, you know, the Moore's law is coming to kind of the end where uh, every 18 months, you can't get faster and faster computers. So this is something that overcomes that problem. The uses of these are in optimization, search, and solving problems at an extremely fast pace because of the other property, which is superposition. So you can have multiple different subatomic particles working together, and instead of linear, like I said, they superimpose in a exponential rate so by the time you've reached something like say 50 qubits or 100 qubits definitely 100 qubits you're going faster than the fastest supercomputer there is right now and you know these computing systems are going to dwarf any supercomputers um, but the, again the issue is the engineering required to implement this in real life situations is still uh, an issue So both governments and large corporations using everything from sort of superconductors, which are zero resistance uh, conductors. So basically things are cooled down to sort of minus 235 or so Kelvin to try and make those uh, subatomic particles uh, interact in this manner. So Google and IBM are using that. But the problem is you can only maintain these quantum states for super, super short periods of time. Uh, And at that very almost absolute zero temperature it's very hard to do, as you can imagine. Um there's another one called trapped ion systems, where uh, the ions, which are the electrically charged particles, are cooled and trapped, quote unquote, the help of lasers. So I saw this at Oxford University, actually, that's um, pioneering on this, and it's really amazing the types of things that um, you can do with this. Uh, obviously, the advantage is you don't need these like massive fridges that super cool uh, items to minus uh, you know almost negative zero, um, uh, uh, sorry, absolute zero, not negative zero, I beg your pardon. And there's some photonic quantum devices, uh, or silicon spin quantum devices. Again, let me let me just leave this for your uh, listeners to do a bit of research, because me explaining it just is not going to show you the kind of wide variety and the kind of uh, absolutely amazing technology there is. Um, yeah, yeah, just, I
0: mean, yeah. yeah, go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, no, no. I, I'm just saying, you know, uh, it's there's so many different types of things that are happening now, different types of methods to to get to this, that it's really exciting. And that, that that's all I was
0: saying. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, when I st- started first researching on the quantum itself for our project, the vast area of technology it is, and the multiple uh, kind of you know, applications it has uh, Mm -hmm. kind of surprised me as well. And uh, it's heartening to know that uh, these applications can kind of be the next big thing. So, uh, well, I know that you've worked with the UK government on formulating uh, policies to improve the country's quantum ecosystem itself. So um, uh, I just want to understand how uh, countries around the world uh, have approached quantum science and technology from like a potentially economic and strategic lens because uh, as we as you mentioned right there are quantum comms which are um, which are dealing with unhackable systems which is clearly a military application uh, right now or even Mm -hmm. uh, say a quantum computing which has uh, you know huge amounts of computing power and can uh, you know crack codes so easily and can break down any sort of encrypted systems so uh, these kind of uh, applications are hugely like strategic uh, you can it can be viewed from a strategic lens and uh, of course uh, economically uh, it will reap a lot of benefits as well so how are countries especially in the west uh, have approached this quantum tech
1: sure no that's that's a super interesting question because yeah c- countries are absolutely approaching this from a very strategic uh, mm-hmm. angle so in terms of the strategic aims and objectives, uh, Arjun, there's essentially there are two reasons, two main reasons, economic and security related. So getting to the first one, there's literally hundreds of billions of dollars or pounds or whatever you want um, in value creation that has been forecast for quantum tech, um, especially quantum computing. So... Governments have become more and more aware of this sort of economic imperative to nurture this emerging tech for businesses, industry, and broader commercial and social spillover effects as well. So just in terms of some numbers, the current size in sort of, you know, 2021-22 is around 10 billion or so, but the rate of growth is um, predicted at something like almost 30% year on year. And so, in five years, we're talking, you know, uh, sort of 35 billion, and uh, most of this will be in computing. Uh, something like, you know, I would say 50 to 60 percent would be in computing. Um, communications will be about 10 billion of that 30, 35 billion, and the rest will be about in sensing. And uh, the applications run from, you know, everything from uh, energy exploration to aerospace. Transport and logistics. Um, another huge one is uh, chemicals, so like pharmaceutical industry, healthcare. So, for example, enhancing diagnostics, and obviously security, uh, which is cryptographic systems that you may, that we spoke about briefly, uh, secure communications, navigation systems, and so on. So that's you know one side of it in the economic side, and then I, I mentioned a little bit about the security side, which is. That quantum computer that's not even super, super advanced, you know, that's quite basic, say 50 to 70 to 100 qubits, can literally break any existing public encryption key. So governments are in a kind of mad dash to secure their own data and information. But at the same time, they also want to be in an offensive position to gain the technology to get advantage over their rivals. Right. So it's both offensive and defensive. Um, The issue here is, unlike sort of AI, blockchain, and so on, quantum requires a huge amount of initial investment, so physical infrastructure and human capital, because this is not an easy, front-end heavy technology that requires scientists and advanced researchers and large hardware devices uh, to build these quantum uh, capabilities. So what we see is only around 25 countries around the world, 25 to 30, but you know, in total, that's with any all of them put together. It's only about twenty-five countries that have any sort of ongoing uh, quantum technology programs. And there's a massive amount of variance between the bottom and the top in terms of investment, programs, technology readiness levels, all those sorts of things. So for these reasons that I've outlined, you know, the difficulty of initial setup, governments generally focus on sort of a two-fold strategy. So that's bringing together the academic and industry players to kind of spur on the R&D, and also creating an ecosystem where the outputs of this R&D be commercialized and used for uh, general purpose applications,
0: right? Yeah. uh, I mean, um, as you mentioned, right, so uh... Uh, a couple of countries have uh, already uh, invested a huge amount of money in developing quantum technology, such as, I, I guess, the national mission of the US and even the UK. Um, we'll get into India's later, but I guess uh, countries are looking at it more from return on investment perspective, rather than just saying, oh, okay, it's it's a lot of uh, initial investment, so we're not going to get into the uh, field itself. So... um at least uh, as far as i've seen uh, from what uh, research i've done um, mm-hmm. a bunch of countries even even the ones with a you know a smaller economic growth or, um, or a smaller uh, gdp per capita have uh, kind of invested in quantum technology uh, as a future as or at least to harness it in the future so that seems heartening to see
1: yeah absolutely and you know the 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 way that they're doing this is generally bringing setting up like collaboration hubs or centers of excellence to get the science right. Then they do things like challenge prizes which solve you know specific use cases or targeted use cases via um, a consortia so they bring together startups, academics, big corporates, government, etc, uh, and then say, you know, see if you can solve this really intractable problem like sequencing every single human genome or finding how cancer uh, cells mutate or something like that. So like a specific targeted problem. A third thing they do is they do dedicated funding for projects that are of national importance, so security stuff, uh, for example. And the last one is they try and build an ecosystem where investment uh, is provided for product or service innovation, through startups or scale-ups uh, and, you know, accelerator programs or deep tech incubator programs. So, yeah, I mean, China is definitely emphasizing specific bits. Uh, you mentioned China. So they're well ahead of the rest of the world, I would say, in quantum comms. But, you know, for example, the UK's national mission is to build a fault-tolerant qu- quantum computer in the next five to 10 years. So th-
0: that's kind of the difference. We can l- Let's chat a bit more about that. Yeah, definitely. So um, let's uh, kind of get into quantum computing itself. As you mentioned, right, uh, quantum computing remains the biggest area of uh, uh, growth and economic uh, uh, returns in the quantum field. So uh, we know that uh, the private sector, yeah the private sector has uh, got into this field a lot uh, especially uh, google ibm microsoft each of them having their own dedicated quantum research team but interestingly that google did not actually have a, a research team and they just got um, got a professor from uh, i guess i think from ucla and he started uh, google's research team and now uh, google has a third best or the third fastest quantum computer in the world So Mm -hmm. it's nice to see that uh, the private sector has uh, kind of, you know, uh, has viewing quantum computing as a very good field to get into or uh, as a field which will become very important in the future. So um, how do you view like the global quantum computing landscape? Because Mm -hmm. there is both the government and the private sector who are involved in this field.
1: Sure, yeah, I mean, the thing to remember here again is that only a handful of countries and corporations can even dream of possessing something that has any capability or is of any level of significance to have a meaningful impact, right? Like I said, the setup costs are so vast and the amount of expertise you need, et cetera, et cetera. um, That's the first thing to remember. So in terms of spending and impact, at the top, definitely are US and China. And in some way, they are locked in a, you know, I I don't know what race called war race or what to call it, but it's a race basically to get quantum superiority over the other. So the National Quantum Initiative Act that you mentioned earlier, uh, they've spent about one and a half billion or so on uh, five research centers that uh, specialize in quantum information systems. But what the U.S. has uh, as well is, like you mentioned, uh, Microsoft, Google, IBM are all working with the government in this. A um, couple other companies uh, not necessarily within the US uh, are Honeywell, Fujitsu, D-Wave, uh, etc. And there's also rumors of Amazon getting involved, uh, but these are very highly secretive uh, plans that uh, you know I've just heard speculation about actually, and I have not really uh, seen or heard anything uh, publicly uh, or officially about it. They've all spent hundreds of millions of dollars to conduct both the scientific research, but obviously as you know, companies and corporates, they want to commercialize this quantum tech as well. China, on its end, um, listed quantum specifically in its uh, 13th five-year plan, so that was, I think, 2016 to 2020, 2021, uh, and they've poured in $10 billion to build a national lab for quantum information science. On their side as well, they have Alibaba, Tencent, Baidu, and they have all also invested heavily in quantum labs, uh, institutes, research centers, et cetera. So they're also working, given the model that China adopts, they're working much more closely with the government. And I think you have a number of, I think a recent podcast in, uh, on the Taksashila site, uh, which talks about this. So I would encourage listeners to check that out as well. Quickly, there's countries in the EU and UK that have been funding quantum initiatives uh, for a couple of decades now, and they're ramping up spending massively. Uh, Germany and France are leading, and UK has just published a national strategy. So everybody's going kind of big on this. Um, so I would say US, China top tier, Germany, France, EU, et cetera, UK are second tier. And then kind of third tier-ish are uh, India, Netherlands, South Korea, Russia, Canada, et cetera who are spending more and more on this. Uh, and they're getting you know, business partners, industry partners involved. And then there's kind of the small, very small countries. Uh, I mean, not very small countries. They happen to be small countries, but they're spending uh, a small amounts comparatively, obviously. So places like Israel, Japan, Singapore are pursuing some programs, but largely in collaboration with other nations, um, sort of defray costs and you know, set up costs, infrastructure costs, and piggyback on existing innovation. So I think yeah. that's kind of an overview of uh, what the landscape looks like.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's really helpful uh, to know that uh, a lot of uh, countries are in the field itself. And uh, interestingly, um, China now owns uh, two of the fastest computers in the world, which, uh, uh, with them releasing uh, a 2 last year, which uh, has more number of uh, superconducting qubits than Google's... Um, uh, quantum computer itself so it's now this is kind of a you know definition of uh, how initial investments have paid off because i i guess china just started their quantum uh, project or a quantum ecosystem uh in the late 2000s and now they've uh, reached to a level which uh, other countries can kind of dream of so um yeah before we continue uh let's just take a small break and we'll be right back sure Welcome back to uh, All Things Policy. So we were having a discussion with Siddharth about quantum technologies and uh, how uh, countries around the world are harnessing quantum tech itself. So uh, now... uh let's get into the indian point of view or the indian national interest view so uh, we when uh, when we both researched about uh, india's foray into quantum tech we saw that uh, the government actually has taken cognizance of quantum as a potential area of strategic technology the fact that they released uh, the national mission for quantum technology and applications in the budget of 2020 uh, which is the financial year to 2020 2021 and with kind of a outlay of around 8000 crores over 5 years to develop quantum tech in the country itself so uh, Siddharth, can you just uh, kind of elucidate a bit more about how india its uh, has encouraged development of this quantum technology in the country
1: sure thanks arjun um so the current situation in india uh, as you mentioned there's a big budget uh, almost 8000 crore that's been sanctioned but the overall ecosystem is very underdeveloped and needs a uh, pardon the phrase, but a quantum leap to achieve even sort of uh, basic levels of utility. So, as you mentioned, twenty twenty is when they've put this uh, money in, uh, which is quite late in the day given how far other countries have gotten. But they've recognized the importance of this technology. So that's that's a first a good first sign. So wh- what we know about this is quite sparse as well, and we've uh, the. The, the report that you and I did, Arjun, we delved into kind of Lok Sabha questions and so on to try and get an understanding of what is being done and what has been done in terms of the national mission. Um, the primary aims, uh, not surprisingly, were to promote research and development, strengthen international research cooperation, nurture startups, etc. This is all kind of uh, pretty standard operating procedure when setting up a new uh, technology. But prior to this as well, they had um, done some funding of uh, research programs. So the quantum enabled science and technology uh, or quest to groom uh, young scientists in the field of uh, quantum. So there was I think about 186 crores over three years with uh, 50 to 60 researchers uh, taking part in these experimental theoretical research. So there's some targeted PhD programs and so on. So in terms of what this 8,000 crore that was uh, mentioned uh, in the budget, uh, I think the main aims are to build a 50 qubit quantum process and obviously the algorithms that need to go along with it for simulation. Um, There's also QKD or the quantum key distribution for quantum comms with a range of 1,000 kilometers that was mentioned. Something was also there uh, about uh, magnetometers and quantum materials. Uh, and then in September 2021, uh, there was something called the Quantum Computer Simulator or QSim Toolkit to provide a better development environment to academics, uh, industry professionals, students, and kind of the general scientific community in India. So like I said, we don't know too much on this because when that... Uh the response was made in the Lok Sabha report, etc. The report has not actually been published or released for public consumption. So we are still a little bit in the dark about what's happening, who's talking to whom, how has the money been spent, uh, which private sector, key private sector partners are being involved, you know, things like that. It's just we're all a little bit in the dark in terms of how the funds were allocated, disbursed, or utilized, or any of that stuff. So Can we really say if there has been credible advancements at this stage? I would say not really, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, when we were looking into um, how much progress has been made since the announcement of the national mission itself, we found that uh, the project which... uh, uh, was announced has not been even approved yet, uh, as at least for one of the um, mm-hmm. responses in the Lok Sabha in twenty twenty one. So forget about you know allocating funds from the eight thousand crores outlay, but uh, yeah. uh, it hasn't even you know gotten forward uh, and th- hasn't moved forward yet. So all we can hope is that the government, or at least uh, even the private sector, at least the fledgling private sector in India, can uh, mm. kind of push the government into uh, develop quantum as fast as possible. Because we, it's it's a race, right? And now the fact that uh, everyone are getting into it just it, it kind of diminishes the prospects of uh, how much India can actually do. So. Um, As we hope that our report would be picked up by someone uh, and kind of, uh, you know, use that as a framework for developing India's quantum uh, ecosystem itself. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So other than the whole uh, quantum landscape in India, we also kind of um, envisaged our own recommendations, right? So for how India can you know, improve and build its ecosystem. So uh, would you kind of uh, like to, uh, you know, just take us through a bit of that and uh, where to focus on what the government should focus on if India wants to become a quantum power or at least uh, be credible enough to harness the applications of quantum tech? Yeah, so uh, just you can just run us through that.
1: Absolutely. So I think the... First step is acknowledging that the government has, you know, put this, uh, given this some level of importance and they've acknowledged that, you know, it is something of importance that needs to uh, to be taken care of and funding. So that's at least a first step that they've taken. But in terms of creating an ecosystem um, and building a value chain and so on, um, just again, for listeners, uh, when... Our report comes out in a couple of weeks. Please, we've got a whole thing about the value chain and you know how how that works and so on. So, uh, it's quite granular. I won't go into that now, um, but I think what I can say is that we've got a sort of four-fold path to quantum enlightenment. That's what we're calling it. Um, and these are: the first is establishing research centers within universities. The second is coordinating efforts across both central and state level governments. The third is harnessing the power and promise of corporates and startups. And fourth is facilitating international cooperation. So these are the four main ones. I'll just quickly run through each of them. So in terms of establishing research centers, I mean, as I've been harping on about uh, in, in, uh, in this podcast is R&D is the key and the R&D all of this cutting edge research is done in higher education institutions and university laboratories so quantum is no exception in this case so priority must be given to these educational institutes both in terms of funding and government support so in terms of removing any barriers to importing scientific equipment for example or international research collaborations are prioritized etc and if they spend money on this uh, to develop new applications and algorithms and so on, and also at the same time connect academic institutions with industries, so this will lead to the translation of the research into real-world applications, so commercialization pipelines and so on. The other thing that it does is provide IP, right? IP, Intellectual Property Development. So once we gain these rights in IP, they can help India, again, an upper hand both economically in terms of sort of licensing fees and strategically through patent rights, for example, across multiple industries, because as I mentioned at the very top of the program, you know, this is going to be a multi-industry thing. The other advantage that India has is relatively low-cost talent pool, just because, you know, cost of living is different and so on. Our scientists give much more value for money compared to, say, a scientist in the EU or the United States or wherever. So kind of building up this talent pool is key. There's a super small talent pool right now, literally hundreds of researchers, that's it. Or even if you take all the industry professionals, academics, entrepreneurs, research, everybody together, it's not more than, I would say, maybe a few thousand in India. So building this quantum ecosystem is key, both intellectually and physically, so in terms of jobs and so on. So that's the first one, right? The second one is coordinating efforts across central and state governments. So obviously, this is such a huge undertaking that different levels of government will have to work together and different state administrations will have to work together, especially when it comes to things like fabrication, manufacturing, uh, et cetera, basic uh, devices. So even, you know, semiconductors, the way it's going with that, with uh, the fabrication, factories, this will need to be done by the government, both financially and non-financially. So having a sort of national mission, I think would be really good for establishing, say, quantum innovation hubs, like the UK government uh, has that I, ha- that I worked on. And these can also serve as, you know, centers of collaborative innovation between academia and private sector. The sort of last point here is government should also help to establish a conducive fiscal and legal environment. So, you know, if international companies want to collaborate, you know, removing any barriers that might be there, obviously, you know, keeping in mind safety and so on. But making those investment-friendly laws uh, and trade policy to, you know, lower import duty, for example, uh, is just an example. Um, So the government can be really helpful in that to help uh, establish and improve um, India's very, very fledgling quantum industry uh the last two is uh, i think you know listeners will know this i don't i don't need to talk too much but harnessing the power of corporations and startups so engaging with the private sector is key uh, i don't need to uh, explain any more about that but just you know we already know big companies like ibm google etc are are getting involved in this so getting i think the government's role here is to facilitate the collaboration between corporates and startups corporates you know the, the added advantage is they have technology integration across multiple geographic markets, so we can, you know, leverage that. And startups have the agility and pace that they work at, uh, you know, which is their advantage of of being a small uh, company. So bringing these together, you know, with targeted microeconomic support, things like subsidies and tariff cuts, etc. And I think the government had a semiconductor package for production-linked incentives, PLI schemes, uh, they could do a similar thing for quantum. Uh, Other things they could do is upfront capital expenditure support, tax deductions, industry loans. You know, there's so many different options here. And again, these will all be detailed in the report, so uh, listeners can uh, gather that from there. Finally, the last one is international cooperation, which is super, super important, given the current state of what quantum technology looks like Um, because it is such a complicated technology. And because we're quite far behind, uh, international collaboration becomes that much more important. So kind of having those multilateral bilateral agreements with countries who are advanced in the field is imperative. Uh, They need to form alliances with like-minded countries uh, so we can do tech transfer, trade, et cetera. So one first step, just as an example, could be uh, engaging with allies in the Quad or BRICS countries or SARC countries. Um, So where they had the Quad Semiconductor Supply Chain Initiative, for example, which looked at diversification uh, and collaboration in the semiconductor domain, uh, Quantum can also benefit from something like this uh, so that we can build a kind of broad, equitable, and transparent global um, tech ecosystem for Quantum
0: yeah i mean um, those are are uh, broad recommendations but yeah as you mentioned right so uh, there are big corporations like google ibm uh, microsoft are working on this but there are also indian startups there are uh, a bunch of startups Qno labs uh, boson q and others who are doing incredible work in quantum tech so absolutely uh, i think the uh, government should take cognizance of the fact that uh, work uh, is happening and uh, they need to kind of ramp up their uh, support for these fledgling startups and any other mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, organization who is willing to work with them in developing quantum mm-hmm. tech uh, for uh, you know civilian or even the national security purposes yeah so this was a very enlightening conversation Siddharth i think uh, our listeners will have uh, fun reading the document we put out uh, and I hope all the listeners do read it. So uh, this was just a glimpse into uh, what the document offers on Quantum and the Quantum tech itself. Uh, thank you so much, Cezar, for uh, joining me on Austin Policy. Uh, we hope to have you soon again.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much, Arjun.
0: Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.